Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show, and uh, this is the last show before free agency starts. We're going to have a lot of things that are going to be changing about the complexion of this football team uh, with additions or subtractions, you know, some clarity on some situations. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a pretty important week next week uh, with regards to the draft and the future of this football team because they're going to have some ideas of what positions are going to be filled and all that stuff. Uh, here to help me uh, with the Today Show, for find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley, Jake Stack. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I was doing better about 10 minutes ago, but I'm doing good. For the people that are just listening, uh, Maddie, Kent, and I just laid down a fire track, <laughs> and then uh, something happened with our audio. So this is actually take two for us today, but that's all right. This will be be better. And we lost Maddie because he's moving and uh he had to go so yeah so we're we're kind of we we had a we were doing a show we were going along smooth with matt uh the audio was screwed up and wonky and matt didn't have enough time to finish because he's on a later time zone and he is finalizing things for his move that's happening this week so uh best of luck maddie we'll hold it down uh for this show then it's all good um what we thought we would do today is we're gonna just kind of list out our top five at each position uh currently in the kc draft guide if you haven't pre-ordered the kc draft guide the championship edition is available for pre-order right now if you go to gum.co slash kc draft guide 2020 promo code liv live will get you the guide for eight dollars and 54 cents to celebrate the uh the championship uh the, in the championship edition you're gonna get 225 write-ups or p- more than 225 you're gonna get features you're gonna get quotes I, we've got over 70 quotes on how on prospect from prospects on how they fit the chiefs it's wild we've got all kinds of great stuff in this thing so be sure to uh to pre-order that if you need help finding a link just go to one of our Twitter accounts. We got them pinned. But let's go ahead and just jump right into this. We're going to go top five position at each position. Let's go quarterback first. First, Joe Burrow. Uh, number two, Tua Tagovailoa. Three, Justin Herberts out of Oregon. Four, Jordan Love out of Utah State. And five is Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. Now, a lot of people might have Jacob Eason here uh, at the fifth spot, and there's some there's some speculation. Or there was some speculation a month ago that maybe Jacob Eason, with his arm talent, could sneak into the first round of the draft. But I like Jalen Hurts flat out better, Jake. I there's so much you know, there's so much about this kid that 
It's not completely quantifiable, and I'm typically not that guy with the intangibles, but you see how he's been able to lead two major college football programs to success, and you've seen him get better and better and better just from his freshman year all the way you know, to his junior year at Oklahoma, and then the senior bowl, to the combine, to his pro day. Just great strides, and he's got such good work ethic. He's, he's a leader, and... I mean, there's gonna there's some teams gonna wind up being pretty happy with this guy. I think you're right, and I think he's a guy that ideally, like in a perfect world, he would be a really good backup, right? Which look at, I mean, the Chiefs last year, backup quarterbacks matter. Are the Chiefs Super Bowl champions this year without Matt Moore? It's hard to say. Um, without you know, he kind of kept them afloat, kind of kept the hope alive. Won there. him a game, won right. him a game. And, uh, and then Jalen Hurts is is a guy that I think he could potentially be a starter in the NFL. And last time we recorded, Maddie like pointed this out as a really good point. Like, how do you say that he can't lead your team? How do you say he can't step into a locker room full of grown men and lead them? Um, he's done it every step of the way in college at two big time programs from a young age. Uh, But also, like, what are the big knocks on him, right? Like, his accuracy can be a little bit off at times. He can make just – I mean, what what throw can't he make, though? I mean, the intangibles – it's not like they're not there. He he has starting quarterback intangibles. Um, Some of the stuff that will worry you is, like, can his decision-making can be bad? His accuracy can be all right. Uh, But he's a guy that I think, you know, might be in that Dak Prescott mold, and I hate to make that comparison, but – that's kind of who he is. Just I kind of like that one. I kind of like that. I, you know, really quality athletic profile. He's not a dynamic rudder like you know some other quarterbacks are, but he throws with touch to all levels of the field. Um, and I think he's a pretty good decision maker. He has some athleticism to get out of trouble. I like that comparison a little bit. I don't hate it. Let's move on to the running back position. Our RB one right now is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at, at from LSU is at two. DeAndre Swift from Georgia at three. J.K. Dobbins from The Ohio State University at four. And Cam Akers from Florida State is our running back five. I want to stop and talk about him really quick because I think, you know, I think Cam Akers kind of gets lost a little bit in this draft class because the other four get a lot of attention. And you've seen the other four mocked in the first round of the draft a lot. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's 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 always one or two running backs that get mocked in in, in any given uh, mock draft, and I think those four are, are on rotation. Uh, honestly, Taylor Swift and Dobbins are the three that get the most. Dude, Edwards Taylor Hilaire. Swift is in this draft class. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> just, just move on. Taylor. Move on, Jacob. I'm gonna do this show by myself. Um, but Cam Akers, we're never think- getting back together, Kent. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> I, I you what just were you saying? What were you saying? <laughs> I like. Look, I think I think Cam Akers has all the athletic tools and all the capabilities that those other guys have. I think he was in a really rough situation at Florida State. I think you know his offensive line, his offense didn't do him any favors whatsoever. But when you watched him at the combine, you saw him doing the Deuce Staley drill. His feet. His change of direction, his agility is rare. It really is, and there's some knocks on him about uh, you know about his vision, and I get some of those. I, I think you can explain away a little bit of that, and he's got a lot to work of work to do in pass protection. Uh, he's way too passive. He plays with bad technique, 
Doesn't look like he's always engaged when he's doing it. Um, that's something he's definitely going to have to clean up. But I think that you know, if he gets in an organization that can hold him accountable to some of those things, you could wind up getting the same caliber of player as, as the other guys in this list at a, at a cheaper price. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with talking about like the level of talent that was around him. And you look at our top four guys, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin was in the top 15 this year. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was, uh, he's a national champion. Uh, DeAndre Swift is you know a, a top 10 team. J.K. Dobbins, top 10 team. All those guys had elite talent around them. They all had competent and uh, NFL caliber offensive linemen blocking for them. Cam Akers had none of that. So I think when you talk about his vision and stuff, I mean, there are times that like, hey, the play is going to be blocked here. It's not there. So like you can knock his vision and say, well, why didn't you go here and there? And like I get all that, but man, when it's when when it's a a turnstile in front of you, you have to be creative and you have to think on the fly. Cam Akers is also going to be twenty years old on draft day. The wear and tear is just not there. You talk about upside with these guys. I, I would not think it's wild to say something like Cam Akers might be the best of this bunch um, in three years. Uh, just because the the athletic ability is there, the the pedigree, quite frankly, is there. He's a five star guy. I think it was him and Najee Harris were neck and neck for uh, being the top recruit when they came out of the when they came out of high school. So pedigree is there, athleticism's there. Uh, didn't come together at Florida State like he probably would have hoped for, but I think an NFL team and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs, if he's sitting there early day, you know, early day three in round four or or even in you round know, three, he might be too they, good of a value to pass up. If they took him at 96, I don't think I would be too upset. I think that would be really good value there at 96. Let's go to the wide receivers. Wide receiver one for us right now in the KC Draft Guide is C.D. Lamb. Jerry Judy from Alabama at two. Henry Ruggs, his teammate at Alabama, three. Justin Jefferson, national champion at LSU, four. And this one might surprise a little bit, uh, but Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver out of Michigan, currently sits at wide receiver five. Um, I, I know that might surprise some people, Jake, but uh, I want you to give you a chance to kind of explain why we have Donovan Peoples-Jones here right now. Well, yeah, I really like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, you talk about pedigree. There's another guy that was a five-star recruit, big-time, big-time recruit coming out of Detroit. Uh, he's just a guy that I think is going to be a better pro than he was collegiate player. Um, he's, you know, 99th percentile as far as his athletic ability for men that are his size. So um, everything's there. The production was not there at Michigan, uh, but you can really point to a few things at Michigan during his time there um, that were not ideal, namely his quarterback. Um, you talk about guys, well, guys like to talk about why, you know, he he's not a great yak guy. You, you don't see the athleticism on tape. Like that's the number one thing people always tell me. Um, when they say I'm too high on him, um, but I would tell I would tell you go watch him return punts. The athleticism is there. Um, he needs to use every bit of athletic ability to bring in some of these passes that Shea Patterson um, is dealing to him. So the the opportunity for yards after catch just aren't always there because he is having to struggle just to complete just to make the catch. Um, I think his hips are really smooth at the top of his routes there. Um, one of my favorite gifts of him is him playing on the outside and absolutely, and it's a Wisconsin corner smoking him to the outside, getting uh, you know that nice pressure step to the inside, creating leverage, gliding to the outside, being wide open, and Shea Patterson sails the ball ten yards over his head. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just kind of one of those things that it's like, well, it, it, he's a tough evaluation for that. And I will just say too, every year there are guys that you watch. Any evaluator can attest to this. There are guys you watch, they just move differently. 
something about them stands out to you, something about their ability just stands out to you, and you just really like them. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is that guy for me. I will hear all the arguments about why he is not good and why he won't succeed, and I'll probably be like, yeah, I see I see that as well. Yeah, he plays in the slot. Yeah, I don't think he uh, beats press that well right now. Yeah, he was not productive, and, and anything you want to say, like I get it, but like I just think he, in the right system in the NFL – um, you want to talk about looking at a draft in three years. He's one of those guys that his ceiling is as high as anybody in this draft class. Yeah, and like if you put him in Kansas City, like let's just say he's there at 63, I would be absolutely content with taking him there because, um, you know, there's not as much pressure on him, you know, in, in that spot. And, boy, he, he could really develop nicely. That athletic profile, the space he's going to be afforded, if he can really kind of clean some things up, develop, uh, and finally have a quarterback that can throw in the football. Whew. When you want to say, ta- I was going to say, Miko Harmon, I've said this before on this podcast, he didn't run routes last year at Georgia, and he was a really, really good rookie receiver for Kansas City. Donovan Peoples-Jones is also another freak athlete. He doesn't run routes that well. Well, he, he does run routes well, but his route tree is not super developed. Oh, my goodness. Him and, yeah, that would be, I would be upset if that happened. <laughs> Let's go to tight end. Uh, and this group is not strong at all. Nope. <laughs> Cole, Cole Komet, our tight end one at Notre Dame. Bryson Hopkins uh, is tight end two. Adam Troutman from Dayton, tight end three. Devin Asiasi from UCLA, tight end four. Sean McEwen from Michigan comes in at tight end five. We're going to talk about another Michigan guy, Jake. Yeah, weird. That is weird. That's weird that Shea Patterson wasn't able to make it work there. He has all this talent. Uh, Devin Asiasi was also a Michigan guy before he transferred to UCLA. Fun fact. Um, but uh, I really like McKeon because he's just a guy that you look at this tight end class, and he's our fifth tight end, right? So before I say any of this, I want to I wanna preface it with this. He's got a fourth-round grade on him as our fifth fifth tight end so if you need a tight end you better get one of those top honestly three guys or sign a free agent (laughs) yeah i mean because it's not a great class but uh mckeon's fun because he's a guy that i think he's a really smooth mover as a guy that 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 is his size he was not able to work out at the combine he will get his workout in at the pro day so that'll be important um watch what he does there i think he should test well He's a bigger guy. He's kind of in that 6'5", 250 range. Um, but one thing I really like about him is, and you talk about their path to being successful NFL football players, I think he's a guy that could come in and really be a nice tight end too. Um, I really like his ability as, not as an inline blocker right now, because he gets blown up a little bit at the point of attack, which most of these guys do in college. Um, but what he does a really good job of, and there's specifically one play um, that kind of made me tilt my head and go, oh, when I when I was watching him. And he was on the opposite. He was on not on the play side. He was on the back side. And he was able to get his big body all the way to the play side um, and kick out a defender um, on the edge. And I just – you see something like that, and that's not – uh, that's not an easy thing to do for anybody at any level. So um, that's something that's impressive. And I think he can come in and I think if you can use him in that capacity, he can be a very good player for your football team. All right, let's go and talk about our offensive tackle group right now. Our offensive tackle one is Makai Becton out of Louisville, followed by Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, Tristan Wirfs 
out of Iowa and Josh Jones at Houston. Those are the five you typically see stacked in some order as the top five tackles in this class. We agree, but uh, Makai Becton is probably a little bit of a surprise for some people as the OT1 for this group. And uh, Maddie, you know, had some pretty good explanations. And I think, the, you know, one of the reasons that he kind of talked about is, I think, and I, I 100% agree with him on this, is that Makai Becton's floor is is higher than people think it is. And, and you know, I... The thing about Makai Becton is, yes, technically there is some stuff that you're going to have to clean up with him. And, you know, you see the highlights of him, um, you know, in the run game. You see, you know, him finishing plays and, you know, throwing guys into the sidelines. And it's just an absolute joy to watch. Um, but, and but he you know, he's got issues. I mean, he's not a, he's not a perfect player. His feet still need a lot of work. Um, and he struggles to play with consistent balance, frankly. But... It's really difficult to beat a guy with that kind of length and that kind of size. Think about Trent Brown. Trent Brown's not a, you know, he's gotten better over the course of his career, but it's not like he's he's always been this technically refined player. He was like massively overweight at times in his career, and he was still able to find success. Makai Becton's a better athlete than Trent Brown. He's Putting the work in, he plays with enough football character that he's working to get better. He's down working with, uh, you know, um, Duke Manyweather, one of the best offensive line trainers for the draft process. He's putting in the work. I don't want to bet on this guy or bet against this guy. I think his floor is higher than people want to admit, and I think his ceiling is one of the best tackles in all of football. And Orlando Brown Jr. out of Oklahoma two years ago was famously unathletic at the offensive tackle position at the Combine. They're similar in size, and Orlando Brown Jr. is having a very successful NFL career in his first two years because he's just so big. There's something to be said about those guys that are just that big. It's hard to run around them. I mean, physics. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. That's part of why the floor uh, and that's and is. that's Orlando Brown Jr. What I was gonna say is was historically bad as an athlete, and Makai Becton is historically good as an athlete. Yeah, they're not even the same. It's not even the same comparison. I like Becton way more than I liked Orlando Brown coming out. Um, okay, interior offensive line number one right now, and we clump our centers and guards together. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Robert Hunt comes in number two out of Louisiana Lafayette. Matt Hennessy is number three for us right now, the center out of Temple. Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU, is fourth. And Ben Bredesen, the Michigan guard, is fifth. I want to talk a little bit about Robert Hunt. Uh, he is. I, we've, we might have talked about him a little bit on this show or on the AP Lab. But Robert Hunt is one of the most fun players that you can watch in this entire class. And you don't typically hear that about a guard. But Robert Hunt is one of the best finishers in this entire class. He is always looking to punish players, get them on the ground, pancake them. He's always looking to get extra shots in um, it, within within the confines of the play. He's a physical mauler. And he played, he played right tackle his final year at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, but he, he has some experience at guard. I would kick him inside at guard. Um, he got away with a lot in pass protection. Um, he kind of was relying on, you know, being that much bigger than some of these dudes. You know, they say pass protection isn't passive. Robert Hunt is the definition of that because he is even in the even in the pass game, he's an aggressive player. Um, he's looking to 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 punish players even in the passing game. 
Uh, and he kind of relies on his physicality and his size and his length and stuff a little bit too much there. He's got a lot to clean up, but boy, I, from a from an athletic profile perspective, um, from a production experience standpoint, there's a lot to like about Robert Hunt. We're going to take a break, and we will pr- look at the defensive side of the football, give you five top fives for every defensive position right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are continuing to show our top five at each position currently in the KC Draft Guide. If you want to pre-order that, go to gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 2020. Promo code LIV gets it for you, $8.54. So much work's being put into this. Uh, love, Love for you to take a look at it. But let's go ahead and talk about the edge position now. Here's our top five at edge currently in the KC Draft Guide. Chase Young. Uh, Kalevon Chason from LSU is number two. That might be a little bit of a surprise to some people. People, Eter Gross Matos from Penn State uh, is number three. AJ Epinesa, guy we talked a little bit from Iowa, is still at number four despite the athletic testing. And Josh Uche out of Michigan is number five. Some people might consider him an off-ball linebacker. Actually, it's it's kind of a, a weird spot with him. He's probably a three-four outside linebacker. Uh, that's an edge player for us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Eter Gross Matos, uh, an edge out of Penn State. And, uh, I mean, I think he helped himself during the combine week, Jake. Yeah, and I think he's a guy, and this is this is not my take. This is someone else's, but I heard this and I thought it was really smart. And it was basically, Eter Gross Matos is basically a guy that is really close to being like a top 10 can't miss prospect, but he just has a couple holes in his game um, that you would like to see him clean up. But he kind of fits the mold of that, you know, that, tall skinny lanky edge rusher that that's a good athlete um he can get after the quarterback that that pays in the nfl um he's a guy that i just think you know he he, he's not getting talked about a ton out of penn state and i think he's a guy that quite frankly um, will probably end up going in that top 20 just because this draft class is not good at the edge position um you have you know young and chase on are both kind of your I think you're bona fide studs and then you have gross Matos and then I think it kind of falls off to Epinesa. Right. And you know, the thing is like Eter gross Matos, he, he's, he does, he looks and plays long, but he's surprisingly kind of dense still. He's 266 pounds and he fits the profile of a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. And the, the you know, we talked a little bit about AJ Epinesa as a guy that maybe falls, you know, towards the back end of the first round and, and puts the Chiefs in a situation where they have to have the conversation about drafting Epinesa. I think you should have the same conversation about Eter Gross Matos. I don't think he's getting enough love in this process. I feel like he should be more consistently in that top 20 range. But if something crazy happens and he's sitting there at 32, I think you have to have the same conversation that you would about Epinesa. In fact, I think I would have it more. I think I would be 
I think I'd be standing on the table for Ichiro Gross Montos a little bit more than I would for Epinesa because, yes, Epinesa has the athletic profile issues that give you some pause about his ability to consistently translate to the next level, but Ichiro Gross Montos doesn't have those. He tested really well. He helped himself through the draft process. He did He did well in the interviews. He did well in the media days. I really like this player. I don't know why he's not getting more love than he is, uh, and I'd be thrilled with him if he, for some reason he was there at 32. Let's talk about the defensive line. Uh, our top five right now is Derek Brown at number one from Auburn. Number two is Javon Kinlaw, a guy we got to see up close at the Senior Bowl from South Carolina. Justin Matabuke, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M. Neville Gallimore, fourth uh, from Oklahoma. And Ross Blacklock from TCU at five. Uh, Jake, I know you're a big fan of Justin Matabuke. The Mad Buck, as we affectionately call him here yep. at the AP Draft Network. Um, <laughs> I like that new name. Is that, is that a thing? I just, I just made it up. I, was, I just Let's made up two it. names at one time. Uh, yeah. No, but he is a guy. He, he came in lighter than I thought he'd be at 290, um, but it doesn't really bother me. You, you think, you know, for the Chiefs, you're probably looking at him playing what? Playing that three-tech, one-tech. Uh, whatever, wherever you want. I think he's pretty scheme versatile. I think he can play in three, four as well. I think what I really like about him is how much of a butt kicker he is. Like he has got the heavy hands. He has got the hands that he gets on people and he dictates what's going on. Um, so that's, that's something that I really like about him. And I think when you're talking about defensive linemen, like, boom, that's gotta be right up there with anything, right? Like the, your ability to control the line of scrimmage with your hands, um, to me is just as important as, you know, your get off, just your bend, all that stuff. It, it's part of the equation. Um, and I think his hands are are heavy and as strong as anyone in this class really like his game. All right, let's talk about the off-ball linebackers now. Our top five currently, Isaiah Simmons sits atop that list from, uh, from Olathe. Uh, number two, Patrick Queen from LSU. Number three, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, the standard top three. Number four is Zach Bond from uh, Wisconsin. And number five is a guy that we really liked early on, Akeem Davis-Gaither, who I, I we're going to talk about Zach, Zach Bond a little bit. Just a reminder, Akeem Davis-Gaither, just when you look at the athletic profile, it's fantastic. But from a density perspective, probably isn't going to wind up being a fit for the Chiefs because they typically covet linebackers a little bit bigger. And we've talked about all these linebackers a lot. We talked about them ad nauseum, obviously, because... Uh, <laughs> because we're so focused on this position group for the Chiefs and there's a real big drop-off after those top four. Um, Jake, Zach Bond, as an off-ball linebacker, as a will linebacker, actually makes a little bit of sense for the Chiefs, doesn't he? I, I think so, and I think that's exactly what he's going to be. I mean, the guy played maybe three snaps of off-ball linebacker at Wisconsin. So it's, it's, it's an interesting transition, but for the Chiefs, where they're at in this draft class, um, it might be a real sweet deal for them because he has the ability to play off-ball. You saw him do it at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you saw him do it today at his at his pro day. They, they, that's where he worked out at. That's the drills they were putting him through was that off-ball linebacker. He's not an edge. Like I don't think there's more than maybe three teams in the NFL that would play him at edge, and the Chiefs are certainly right. not one of them. Um, so uh, I think he could be a really, really good bang for your buck there at 32 if he's sitting there. Yeah, he's. I, I think you've got some versatility to him. He's got some very obvious rush ability. But I think he acquitted himself very well in coverage. And that's something that the Chiefs need to make improvements on. I think they can make improvements if Zach Bond is your new Will linebacker. And he gives him a versatile chess piece. I know we've talked a lot about these guys. 
But I, I honestly think even if the board falls such that the, the top three linebackers are not available at 32, the Chiefs could still have the conversation about Zach Bond very realistically. And I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger on that. I really like Zach Bond. All right, let's talk about cornerback and obviously another position that we've really addressed. But we haven't talked about these top five guys as much. Uh, but Jeff Okuda, number one, lock it in from Ohio State. Christian Fulton comes in currently at number two from LSU. Uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU is number three. C.J. Henderson, number four uh, from Florida. And then A.J. Terrell from Clemson comes in at our fifth cornerback. I want to talk a little bit about Jeff Gladney. Um, it, it sounds like, and actually we know, for, we know now that uh, Jeff Gladney was playing, uh, participating in the combine with a knee injury that really slowed him down. Some of his agility and, and lateral quickness kind of stuff, like it was awful. Or it was just below standards and stunning because he was trying to do it on a torn meniscus or a, a meniscus issue. Uh, it was announced this week that Jeff Gladney is going to uh, is undergoing some uh, some fixing of that meniscus. He's going to be out the next four or five weeks. He tried to do the combine with a meniscus injury. You give him a lot of credit for trying. I still think he ran in the four fours. It's just some of his agilities were a little bit off. Um, but Jake, I'm a big fan of Jeff Gladney's. I like Jeff Gladney a lot. I, I'm surprised a little bit, and I think some people would be surprised how low we have C.J. Henderson, um, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Gladney. Uh, and what I, what we said when Maddie was on here, he entered it as talking about Quint, uh, Quintez Cephas and how he ran that better 40 times today. Um, it's interesting because I think you know Gladney had the knee. We all know about that now. Um, is it just an excuse? I don't know. Um, I don't think he's going to work out at his pro day, uh, but it will be interesting to see kind of to get off the Gladney thing here, who I think is a really good player. I love his love the swag that he brings uh, when he's out there. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's a trash talker. He's a tone setter. Um, everything you want from your corner. But I think it will be interesting to see these numbers from the combine compared to the pro days. And are some other guys going to be able to um, up their stock doing that as well? But, yeah, Gladney's a good player. I think he'd be a really awesome fit in Kansas City. and be a guy that would be also really fun to root for just because he has that swag. I love the idea of potentially getting Jeff Gladney here in Kansas City. I think he's one of the 25 best players in this draft class. And if you're able to get him, maybe because the issues that he's having with his knee injury, having to shut down the process, not having a good showing in the combine, if he leaves enough question marks for football teams, I would love for the Chiefs to pounce on him at 32. I think he'd be a great fit, great value. He has the best feet, I think, in this entire class. One of, if not the best feet, you could, you could. There's probably a couple of guys that can make that argument. Tough, physical, plays above his weight class. Um, I, I think he would make a ton of sense for this football team. Big fantasy of Jeff Gladney's. Grab him at 32 by all means. All right, let's talk about the safety position now. Our last position. Here's how we have it stacked right now. Xavier McKinney is safety one out of Alabama. Grant Delpit, surprisingly, at safety two. Tell me that a year ago, I'd be stunned. Antoine Winfield from Minnesota sits at at safety three for us right now. Ashton Davis, fourth. Kyle Duggar, fifth right now for us in the KC draft guide. Ooh. I want to talk a little bit about Antoine Winfield. Um, and he's a guy that we haven't talked a ton about, but I think he's getting a lot of top 40 buzz now, um, especially because at the NFL Combine, he really helped himself a little bit with his athletic performance, tested with a good relative athletic score, if you don't know what that is. 
go to at MathBomb on Twitter. It's a great athletic testing tool that kind of puts and contextualizes uh, athletic testing to give you you know a good idea if you're stacking it up at everything against each other. But Antoine Winfield kind of quieted some doubters a little bit about some of his athleticism. Shows good range. He's a versatile guy that played all over. He covered tight ends and man coverage in the slot. Uh, he played in the box. He played deep. He played as a single. I played too deep. He did it all. And he did it all with great instincts, great football character. Uh, he's a willing tackler. And he's got ball production. He had seven interceptions this last year. There's not a ton to dislike about Antoine Winfield, especially after quieting some of his athletic profile doubts. Uh, and I, you know what? Who knows? It, the Chiefs continue to, to, to add versatility to the middle of their defense. If they took a swing and, and grabbed Antoine Winfield, if they were like in, in, if he fell to them at 63 for some reason, wouldn't be stunned at all. Hey, Tyron Matthew himself said he is not a safety. He's a defender. So take two safeties and let Tyron Matthew defend. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun, especially because I think Winfield has some Tyron Matthew to his game. I'm not going to make that comparison um, just because it's so easy to say, hey, these two shorter safeties are the same. Um, they do play similar, but they're they're not quite the same. I mean, I think people are forgetting how good Honey Badger was when he came out of LSU and how good he <laughs> and how good he was last year. Um, but I think one thing that they do have similar that you can draw the comparison to is Honey Badger had that a little bit of an injury history following him um, through LSU and then his first couple years in the league. Winfield has that right now as well. He only really was healthy for one year, so I think yeah. that's the big knock on him is he's a smaller guy. Can he stay healthy in the NFL? I think if he didn't have the injury concerns, he'd be competing for that safety one. Um, and when yeah. you said when you said Grant Delprit, I'm surprised. Like safety two, I'm surprised. I thought right away, and this is how far he's fallen. I thought you said that right away because Winfield was not in front of him, and he well, wasn't safety three. But well, I mean that's that's the fall of Grant Delpit right there for you. Yeah, but I, I love Winfield's game. I love his ability on the back end. His his I, I love this. I, I really like players that have that bloodline. You know, that they have yeah. dads that were successful in the NFL. Like the hit rate is it's got I don't I'm just saying this. I don't know. But it feels like the hit rate is just higher for those guys. Um I mean, Patrick Mahomes, his dad was a professional athlete. He's all right. He's okay. Seemed to, that um, seemed to work out all right. And so Antoine Winfield, his father is like a borderline Hall of Fame corner. Like, I mean, he was incredible for a very long time. And when Antoine's game, Junior, he plays very similar. He plays a different position, but he's, he's got a similar game. He's tough. He's scrappy. He'll pop you in the mouth. He'll make plays on the ball. Um, I think a team, if he stays healthy, I think a team's going to be super he- happy with him for a long time. Yeah, he's a fourth-year redshirt sophomore. He's had two injuries uh derailed two seasons of his career um but i do think there's a little bit of honey badger in his game actually i actually do think there's a little bit of honey badger there's tons of versatility to his game he's another chess piece if the chiefs grabbed him they'd you know be able to move him and juan thornhill and tyron matthew all over the field and those three guys that are going to come in they're going to play uh really hard they're going to put in the work in the uh, in, in in between sundays in their preparation uh, and I mean the Chiefs, the Chiefs would know how to do them to use them because Steve Spagnolo is is that dude. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week to see how free agency has not, changed. Are we not doing kickers? What? We're not doing kickers. Oh come on, Jake. <laughs> do you have some kicker takes? I uh, got that that uh, that one guy that wears the goggles is our kicker one. Man, his last name's Man. He went to Texas A&M. Boom, done. That's our kick. That's our kicker. What one. about Rodrigo Blankenship? 
That's the guy the with other, the goggles. That's they, the guy with the goggles. Do they both have goggles? To be Maybe. determined. We'll, we'll hit you with that next week. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week to see what happens uh, with the free agents and how that affects the Chiefs draft. We'll catch you later. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.